right. Uh, so we have some cards downstairs that are prepared for signing, so please uh, take a moment to do that. Um, I think uh, we've talked about ICFG the, um, uh, the later on this, this month, uh, May 27th, there will be a baptism in Richmond Hill. And uh, the week following June 3rd, we, the Western Road Congregation, will be hosting a area CFG. I think the details are still being arranged for that, but just so you can put it on your calendar. Ah, thank you. So next Sunday is area sing in our church. Looking forward to that. Hopefully fill the, fill the pews. Keep these things, keep no things problem. into my head. Um, we understand. We saw. I looked on the uh, teams or the Zoom, whatever it was, live stream yesterday. That brother Peter Nanador passed away, and the funeral was yesterday. That sister Emmy's brother. And uh, please keep them in prayer, and uh, please extend our condolences and sympathies to your families. And also we have uh, greetings from Sister Elizabeth Bayford. She says uh, she uh, really appreciates all the church's prayers on her behalf that's as she's recovering. I believe that's all the announcements I have. Are there any other announcements or greetings to the church? Yes, I think I did mention that. So Sister Sigrid and Sister Monica are not uh, able to be here and they extend their greetings. If that's all, let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do want to worship you and honor you. You are the, have conquered death and the grave and sin. You are truly our hero. And we are thrilled that this same resurrection power can be experienced by each one of us individually. We just thank you for achieving such a great victory on our behalf. And we just pray that that power would not be in, um, on a shelf, it would not be in theory only, but that we could truly know you and your power and allow it to transform us, that we could be a light on a hill, a candle on a candlestick in this increasingly dark, a time and place. Father, we pray for your inspiration that you would be able to speak to us through your word. We pray for the many that are dealing with grief and illness. We have mentioned a number of them. Uh, Father, we pray for comfort for, for the grieving families of not only Peter Nenadov and Lily Vukov. And we pray for uh, your, you to be able to redeem even their faithful lives, that many others would be drawn to you and inspired by their example. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Not too long ago, we, uh, we celebrated the resurrection and, uh, and at the time of Easter, 
but I'm thinking of what happened just before that. Um, I'm looking forward to, one of the things I'm looking forward to in this coming week is actually being in the very Garden of Gethsemane with a, some olive trees that are nearly as old where Jesus was praying underneath. And I like to meditate on his prayer and found in John 17, Christ's prayer in Gethsemane found in John chapter 17. <clears throat> These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou hast given gavest me and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world but for them which thou hast given me for they are thine and all mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world but these are in the world and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, and they, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them 
as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. And the Lord bless the reading of his word. The Lord is worthy that we bow before him. The loving Father in heaven, these words, those spoken 2,000 years ago, ring even more true now, even more true to us because we live in a time where the darkness has overshadowed us. We live in a world that's full of confusion and in desperate need for light and truth. And Father in heaven, we pray that we may be bearers of that light. We may be proclaimers of that truth, the gospel story. All of what Jesus said and represented. Father, we pray that as the word goes forth this morning hour, that it would go forth in its simplicity, in its power, and that your name would be magnified and glorified by the fruit it will bring amongst your people and we also pray for those that are not yet in your covenant that they may be pricked and Im impacted by it that they would surrender their lives to you wholly father in heaven we thank thee for the gathering here in this physical building we thank thee that others can participate online and we pray you'll be a blessing to them also and a comfort and a strength to them. We pray especially for the, the Bukov family who are still grieving their departed sister, yet we know that she's in a much better place and we're thankful for that. We also pray for comfort for the Nenador family who has lost a, uh, a dear father and uncle and husband and a great and a grandfather. We pray that you would continue to be with them and comfort them and strengthen them as you have blessed them with a great legacy. Father, we pray for those that, are, that cannot be here, the sick, the shut-in, the, orf, the uh, widows and widowers. We pray that you would be with them and comfort and strengthen them and help us to, to do the same, to visit them physically or even give them a phone call just to comfort and strengthen and uplift them. We pray for the sick, Lord, the, those that are being um, chronically ill. We pray that you would be with them. Lord, you know everything that's going through their minds and the difficulties they face. And we pray that you would give them the grace and the healing and strength according to your will. And that they may be reassured, especially no matter what the condition, no matter what the situation they find themselves in, 
that they are in your hands. Oh Lord, help them to remember they are in your hands. Father, we pray that you would be with those that will be traveling to Israel today. There's a, a big group of us and we pray that you'll be with us, that you would lead us and guide us and help us to be blessed and to be a blessing to others while we are there. May it strengthen us in the faith and may it glorify your name as we see the land where Jesus walked, where he taught, where he healed, where he raised the dead. Father, we pray. Father, we pray for the governments as your word tells us to, to lift up holy hands, lifting up them for all men everywhere, whether they be unconverted, whether they be in, in the powers and authorities and the governments. Oh Lord, we pray that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and you'd convict and you'd move and, and uh, give direction and guidance to all that will be willing to receive it. Be with us now, Father, be with our dear brother as you would proclaim your word, give him the words to, to speak, and uh, give us open hearts and minds that we may be willing receptors of it and to bring forth much fruit to your honor, glory, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. We give you thanks as we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. What strikes you about this prayer? Remember the context is Gethsemane. Um, right, you're right. It was before Gethsemane, right? Because the next following verse does say that after he spoken these words, he went over into the garden but this is, this is the night before he would be crucified. This is the night before he would be tortured. And, and, and we've spoken at length about the incredible pain and, that he went through. And yet, what is his concern? What is he praying to God about? We know that in Gethsemane, he is going to cry out and, and ask if there's another way. But right now, his heart, his prayer is for you. Despite what he is about to face, he's saying, I pray not only for these 11 not only for those that have believed, but for those that will believe on their word. That, that means you. You who are here this morning. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, was praying for you. And what is his concern? What is his vision? Are we accomplishing his vision? Is this what Jesus died for, that we would... Be worshiping him like this. Is this the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross? Are we living and fulfilling his prayer and his vision?
yes and no. I think, I think it is wonderful that we are together. We have made a choice to separate ourselves from our everyday pursuits. We've come together. We are worshiping his name. But I know that I fall short of his vision. His vision is not even something that I could even accomplish in isolation. What is his vision? What is his repeated desire? Multiple times he says that they may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may be one. Number two, that the world may believe thou send me the glory that you've given me, that, that they may be one. Number four, even as we are one. And I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Number five, five times, that the world may know again that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Five times he's repeating his vision of the oneness. Now it's not just, okay, that they may all agree and uphold the same church order. It's not that they may all agree and appear to be wearing the same clothing. His definition of the oneness that he envisioned before he went to the cross was that we would be as one as he is with the Father. That's the vision he had. That's not something I can do on my own. This vision of unity, of oneness, of spirit, that's why why it is incredibly important and not some embarrassing thing that we gloss over that we worship a trinity something that we have a hard time understanding how god can be three and he can be one at the same time and how does this work that may be where many stumble and the muslims probably most of all but it's important it is essential that our god is a God who, who is love, who, uh, who has, understands what it is to, to be one in, in intent and in purpose and, and yet to be diverse in, in role and um, <clears throat> expression and, and that we can have a Father, the Son, and the Spirit who are in different places, doing different things, and yet they are one. And that is God's vision is for us that we can be in Bolton and in Bowmanville and in, uh, and in Milton and, in, and whether we can be in, in the school and in the construction site and in the office and, in, <clears throat> and yet we can be one. And not just one with each other, but one with God. One with the Holy Spirit who is living with us, within us <coughs> and working out God's will. This is something that I know that I need to, in order for that to happen in my life, I have to give up my own 
my own personal agenda, my own where am I going to find my next bo- dopamine hit seeking, you know, where, what's going to be fun. And I have to say, no, 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 what does God want me to do in this day? Where is God leading me? How does he see the situation I'm in? Does he see, oh, there's deadlines and pressures and you got to be stressed? Or does he see, oh, there are hurting people and you need to be reflecting the, the character of God? Like, how does he see my situation? How does he see the, the situation you find yourself in? And it's not something I can do alone. And this was his vision. And I think we can grow. And I, don't, and I think we need to maybe change how we, we see ourselves, how we see ourselves as a body, how we see ourselves as being structured and um, working together. We uh, studied a couple weeks ago about how of the priesthood of all believers. And I think this is very much in contrast to, you know, the, the, the typical church model where there are, we come, we sit in church, we listen, we learn, and we leave. Uh, but we... We don't necessarily feel that sense of oneness with the person next to me, around me. The sense of what is your pain? What are your problems? How can I help? Here is my pain. Here are my stresses. Can you help me? Do we don't necessarily in this assembly have a forum where we can express that level of personal need. Maybe, you know, I don't think people would feel comfortable standing up in here and say, can you please, you know, pray for me. I've got a dealing with this this week. But I, I do think that we need to do that as a body. We need to have those level of relationships where we can uh, express our needs. We can hold each other accountable. We can, uh, get involved in each other's lives and it it can't be in a format that is where we are we are passive observers there's a lot of one another's in the scripture i I spent time yesterday and this morning kind of looking at this vision of the one another's of scripture and as i I'm just going to look it up because I, it's a lot. What do you think God taught us about the one another's? These are things, like I said, I cannot be a Christian in my closet and fulfill love one another because there's just me in the closet and God. But God wants me to love you. In fact, it's so important that Jesus said it repeatedly here in the Gospel of John. Um, 
four times. These things are commanding that you love one another. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. There's the measure. And by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have loved one another. And new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Four different times here. But it doesn't end there. Another 11 times, this is picked up and repeated by the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and very much by the Apostle John. Love one another. In fact, if you say you love God and you're not loving one another, you're lying. You're, you're, you're actually in a very bad place. Being religious, loving God, knowing all these things, but missing and not caring and being cold towards each other. In other words, love has to flow through us. It can't be contained. I have a heart full of love. I have this love sitting here all bottled up and safe. No, that's not how love works. If love is not flowing through me like electricity, where it's going from God to a point of need through me, a conduit, it's not love. Love has to flow to be alive and to be real. For God's power to connect to the need around me. And then the Apostle Paul and the, and the other apostles break it down. And they give 23 different instructions, positive instructions. I didn't have time to write down all the negative instructions about don't do this to one another because there's bunch of those too, right? But he tells us that we need, that if we are walking in the light, if we are being honest and transparent and accountable, then we can have fellowship with God and with one another. And he says that we should greet one another. I mean, sometimes, oh, it's awkward. Like, what's the special secret, you know, God bless you thing? No. And, and, and the greeting one another, the holy kiss, oh boy, that's got like connotations now. It's, it's not politically correct. It's, it's in the Bible, like four times. It's part of what makes us special is that you and I have a relationship that's different than my relationship with my coworker. That's why it's not just have a great day. How are you doing? No, God bless you, my dear sister, my dear brother. We need to minister gifts to one another. God has given you gifts, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago, how God is uniquely, His Spirit has, has, has given you something that you can meet needs within the church, and you are supposed to be doing that. Not only is that said in Ephesians 4 here, but in 1 Peter, as every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold, like the many-faceted, uniquely diffracted uh, gift and grace of God. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. There's something we can all do. Remember Brother Chris Ritzman was at this pulpit not that long ago, speaking how God convicted him and he shared that conviction with us. To just 
let's take each other into our homes, into our lives, and, and, and that, that our relationship doesn't stop here in these benches, but that we, t- we are actually an op- integrated. And that does take coming into each other's homes, opening our homes, you know, that might, might be embarrassing. Uh, I was told, hey, don't ask your brother to go help you close the window that you forgot this morning. There's a smelly thing in your, in your chimney, and that's why you had the window open, you left it open on the way to Israel. Well, I'm sorry, I have to be open and say, my dear brother, hold your nose and come and close my window and, and be transparent about the messy, smelly things in my life because each of our lives has messy, smelly things in them. And we've got to even open our homes when there's messy, smelly things in them so that we can be real with each other. And it's not like, God bless you, my life is perfect, I've got this big smile, there's nothing going on here, nothing to see here. That's not genuine, that's not real. And that's what this world desperately needs. That's why he says the world will know that God has sent Jesus and Jesus is living in our lives if these people actually know each other and love each other. They don't just have a happy, happy, happy uh, relationship where we keep it on the surface and don't talk about anything. No, we have to be genuine with each other and love each other when we're different. In fact, the fact that we're different makes us stronger because God has made us different and is using those unique differences for his glory. We need to have compassion for one another. It means that, that I identify with your pain. I'm willing to, 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 to open up my heart. To be pitiful means that I feel that, that uh, empathy, to be courteous, to be of one mind. 1 Peter 3.8, we need to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another that we may be healed. We talked about the need for transparency, but it's not just that, you know, I feel better, I unloaded and vented. No, it's we come to God. We come with, we come with a, a recognition that, that, that we have sinned and failed, but there is grace, there is forgiveness because Jesus went to the cross. It's not uh, a gloss it over and sweep it under the carpet. We deal with the ugly things in our lives, the, the smelly things that aren't just in our chimneys but in our hearts by be confessing them and praying for them. We prefer and honor one another. <clears throat> Preferring one another one before another, doing nothing but partiality, be kindly affectionate one to another, in honor preferring one another. We actually want you, my sister, you, my brother, to have greater honor than me. I want to, I, I'm going to be happy when you're blessed and you succeed. I'm not going to resent that. I'm not going to envy. That's one of the do nots that uh, I'm not listing here. But rather, we rejoice and won't put others before ourselves. We're going to comfort one another and edify one another. We need that. We see in, 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 in those who've lost loved ones, and I've experienced that myself, you know, the comfort when we come together as a body. In fact, that's the context that we're talking about here in Thessalonians. 
and that we're going to build each other up. We're going to edify one another. As Romans 14 says, we're going to focus, he says, not on the divisions like the points of like, mm, you know, I've got this, I see things differently than you, and I'm right and you're wrong. He says, focus instead on the things that are going to build each other up rather than the things that are going to divide us. We're going to teach and admonish each other, even through music. That music isn't just about kind of experiencing the, the beauty, but it speaks to our hearts. It communicates at a deeper level. And it's not, and we are told that we need to, to admonish one another, even to correct, that's not, it's not, it's not popular. It means I have to tell somebody something they don't want to hear. I have to risk my relationship with you by pointing out something that is going to make you feel bad. But if I love you, it's part of it. It's not just patting you on the back, it's also admonishing. I need to forgive one another forbear one another if anyone have a quarrel against any even as christ forgave you so also do ye and be ye kind this was my father's favorite verse be ye kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake hath forgiven you there is no room there is no room for us to hold on to resentments in this body. We studied this past Wednesday, Matthew 18, how the king, the Lord, forgave an unpayable debt, would have taken, I don't know, 680 lifetimes to pay, and yet he wasn't going to forgive his fellow something that would take less than a year to repay. And how angry the Lord was about that. We dare not incur the wrath of God by holding on to my resentment against what you've done to me to hurt me. You cannot. You cannot afford the wrath of God. You cannot afford to be stripped of the forgiveness of God. Endanger that by holding on to resentments from God. Do you understand the, the mortal, eternal danger you place yourself in when you hold on to hurts? I cannot stress that enough. This is, I'm talking about something that could damn your soul. You dare not hold on to hurts as much as it may feel natural. As Christ has forgiven you, you cannot hold on to your resentment to your brother and your sister. Please take that to heart. We have to be a body that's not divided by resentments, by past hurts. You're not Christ's body. You're in a dangerous spot when you do. And so we need to forbear one another. We need to be long-suffering. We need to, to put up with those who, who may still hurt us. Not intentionally, necessarily. They may be stuck in their ways. They may be insensitive. They may, whatever, but the Bible says we need to forbear one another and forgive one another. Colossians 3.13. We need to be kind. We need to be kindly affectioned. We need to have 
that heart to one another with brotherly love. Galatians 6, we need to bear one another's burdens. We need to be willing to get our hands dirty, to come alongside, and to help to carry life's burdens because it's too much. We need to be willing to bear our own burdens in the same passage, but we, we need to come alongside each other. And that is in beautiful things. And in that way, we will be sustained. I remember, as I was sharing, you know, when Josiah was sick, and I could feel the prayers. I could feel the bearing of the church carrying me through something that I don't know how people would bear otherwise. And that is a mark of God's body. We need to serve one another. He says, it's interesting, the context, you know, you're a Christian, he says. You have this liberty. You don't have to follow all this law, he says in Galatians 5, but don't use that as a cloak to cover, you know, your agenda to, to, to you know, appeal to your own flesh, but instead, by love, serve one another. You're looking not for opportunities to do things that feel good. You're looking for opportunities to serve one another with this freedom you've given in Christ. You need to care, have the same care one for another, not to be partial. We need to tarry for one another in 1 Corinthians 11. We need to be patient and wait and not uh, put ourselves first. We need to receive one another. We need, we need to accept the persons that everyone has value um, as Christ has received us. We need to be like-minded. We need to have the same mind one toward another. Um, according to Christ Jesus, had the same mind. And now in Romans 12, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. We need to have peace one with another. 20 odd things. And I've, like I said, this is not even exhaustive about all the do not have envy and so on towards one another. The vision Jesus had when he went to the cross was that you and I would be one. And he broke it down. It wasn't a conceptual unity. We all believe the same thing. We're one. No, we actually get involved in each other's lives. We care about each other deeply, sacrificially. I mean, he showed the depth of sacrifice it was going to take for this unity. And we need to be willing to make the forgiveness, to, 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 to bear and to forbear and to confess and to receive as well as to give. That is his vision. We are gathered here not to sit through a Sunday sermon. This is not where church ends. If it ends here, it is not the vision of Jesus. We are gathered here to be his body, his hands and feet. We need to minister to each other. We need to know each other. We need to know Christ together. We need to go and be sent as he explicitly sends, as I was sent in the world, so send I them. We have a purpose. And this is not, and that purpose is one that, that requires all of us. It's not something we can fit in and get in as a, as a checkbox.
and the glory, the glory. Jesus starts off without saying, the hours come. I can't wait to be with you, to once again experience the glory I've had from, from eternity past with you. And I want these that I love, I want them to know this glory. If you want to be part, and you're invited to be part, to be one with God, to experience his incredible, powerful glory in all eternity, and even here, even here, you can know his glory as you let him flow through you and become one. The world cannot compete, he cannot but fall down and recognize the glory that you know Christ when they see the love we have one for another. May we be inspired by his great love. Hymn number 165. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for 
the words that were spoken in this morning hour. Lord, only can we live up to your expectation of loving each other, walking united to be at one with you, to be close to you, to have that relationship you with you and fellowship with you and fellowship with one another. Only, Lord, we need to get rid of our ACC mindset, the mindset that is not capable. It is only pharisaical, Lord, to be hypocritical, to backbite, to slander, to be against a brother or sister. Lord is not becoming. It is a, a church that will die. Lord, we repent of the things of our traditional ways of walking, of our mindset, Lord, that is not becoming of Christian liberty as you have spoken in the word. Lord, we need you. We look towards you as individual, as a body. Lord, to grow in you, to be encouraged in you from each other, from your living word. Lord, that we would truly love one another as you have spoken in John 17. And Lord, that the world may see that we are truly loved ones of Christ because they see a love for each other, because they have a love for you. And we would have a love for you, Lord, individually, also as a body. Lord, help us, strengthen us, encourage us, forgive us, and let us walk with you wholeheartedly in realization Lord, that is a dangerous place to be in if we say we love you and we don't love each other or we don't love each other and we kind of follow you a little bit rather than wholeheartedly. Lord, see our needs for you do know our needs and sometimes we know ourselves but we refuse to let go and let you have your way in all reality. Lord, we thank you so much once again for your word. And Lord, we pray for a follow-up and not just to hear a good sermon or a good word or a good encouragement, Lord, but on a continual basis. Let us judge ourselves each and every day and realize to see how, where we stand in you lord let us be honest and not just a club that we're joining to but a relationship body of jesus christ lord we pray and help us and be with all those who could not be here and lord if they're listening online we thank you for that and if they're running away from the truth we just pray that 
they would stop running and come to the realization of the cross that Jesus died for all of us and that he is the reason, he is the source, he is the answer, the solution to all our freedom, Lord, in you as we pray all these things in the blessed, precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray, amen. Turn to hymn number 340 in the Gospel hymns. We've heard a very stirring exhortation this morning. And as Brother Edmund was preaching, a couple of things came to my mind. I've been in my morning devotions reading through um, the book of Revelation again, and that we've studied it. But I'm taking my time to go through because the book of Revelation 
according to some, as talking about the churches of Asia Minor at that present time, which she was describing, and that's true. But also, do they represent different churches through different ages is another question. One of the things that <coughs> really impacted me as I was reading, and I read it through over, over a couple of mornings uh, consecutively, just reread it, the church of Ephesus. If you look at the church of Ephesus, they were a doctrinally sound church. They knew the scriptures. And they, uh, they abided by them in, in the sense that they rejected the teachings of Nicolaitans. They say it was a, sort of a, a, what do you call it, once saved, always saved type of doctrine. And they also kept themselves um, from, from sin. But they had patience. But it says, I have one thing against you. On paper, they were a great church, except for one or two things. The first thing was, you've left your first love. And what is that first love? He says, as you go on into chapter 2, he says, go back to your first works. When you and I keep the commandments of Christ, we go back to our first works. When we started off in our Christian walk, we were willing, as Paul says to the Galatians, um, you know, at the beginning, he says in Galatians 4, uh, 14, and my temptation which was in my flesh, you despised not. He had some kind of a physical thorn in the flesh. He talks to the Second Corinthians chapter 12. And, and uh, he prayed God three times for it to, to get rid of it. And he says, where is then the blessing that you spoke of? You, would, you, 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 didn't re, you didn't think any low of me. You didn't disregard me. You were really concerned about me. For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. This goes back to the one and others. If, if we are to do all these things to one another, then we need to know what one another issues are. I'm thankful for prayer meetings on Thursday nights. I, I'm glad that sometimes we get up to 16, 18 people there. But I think, why not the whole church? It's only an hour of your week. Why not the whole church? Why don't you come up and, and do what people have been doing, sharing with each other their struggles, their difficulties. We've got a confession line in there. We, not many people visit that. We've had a few times there, but, but, but we pray for one another. We supplicate. This is, a, this is an operating, communicating church with relationships that we care for one another. I'm thankful for that. But as Brother Edmund mentioned in his, in, his, in his message, you know, it's so encouraging to know that people are praying for you when you're going through grieving, when you've lost loved ones, or when you're going through a good time, weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. This is what gives us that encouragement to go on. And even though to the church of Ephesus, you couldn't, you cannot say they weren't patient and they, they were living holy lives in the sense of staying away from sin. But what were they missing out on? 
they were missing out on the works. As Jesus said, visit the sick, visit the, those in prison, give food to the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked. You can't do that in a, in, in, a, in a vacuum. You can't do that in a cone. You can't do that in isolation. It's to, an, to one another. And I, I, I believe that we are in probably a, a mixture of all these churches today with what's going on in the worldwide church. But especially for us, we believe that we are holding the doctrine of Christ. We are holding the teachings of Christ in the terms of what God and Christ prescribe us to do to a point. Are we visiting? Are we re relating to one another? Do we take time out of our day? Do we go out of our way? Do we do the first works that we were willing to do in order to get baptized, to do the restitutions, to ask for forgiveness, as we heard, to pray for one another. I believe that that is one area that I need to really go back on. And I will have a lot of questions. Out of, out of 10,000 questions, will I be able to answer one, Job says. Am I doing enough? Am I visiting enough? Am I surrendering everything I can? Am I going back to my first works, the first love? Who's the first love? Jesus Christ. Don't say I love him if I don't keep his commandments. That's exactly what God told the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament people. He says, you are, you are, far, you are near me with your lips, but you are far from me in your heart. Do we have God in our hearts? Do we have Christ in our hearts? If we have him in our hearts, are we relating to one another? Because when we relate to one another, we relate to Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless the word to him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.